This is the Engines of Our Ingenuity, made possible by the friends of KUHF Houston. Today, variations on a bicycle. The University of Houston presents this program about the machines that make our civilization run and the people whose ingenuity created them. When is a bike not a bike? The French bicycle builder Charles Moshe must have wondered that in 1934. His bike and its rider had just set a new world record for distance traveled in an hour, 45 kilometers or almost 28 miles. Moshe's bike had two wheels, pedals, a chain, and no added aerodynamic aids such as foils or the like. But all the same, it looked very different from other bikes. It was much lower to the ground. Instead of sitting above the rear wheel, Moshe's rider slouched between the wheels as if on a chaise lounge. His feet were in front of him instead of below him. He was riding what we now call a recumbent bicycle. The new record caused an uproar. At their very next meeting, the International Cyclist Union, or UCI, debated the issue. After much discussion, they decided, essentially, that Moshe's bike, well, really wasn't a bike, as defined by them. The record was set aside. But critics of the decision noted there might be some other factors at play. The UCI was heavily supported by manufacturers of conventional bikes, and the record-setting rider, Francis Foray, was a mere Category 2 cyclist. He had now defeated some of the top riders in the world. Did the human set the record, or the machine? Today, with sophisticated wind tunnels, we can answer that pretty definitively. Foray almost certainly wasn't the world's fastest peddler at the time, but in his low-slung bike, he had the laws of physics on his side. A cyclist traveling 25 miles an hour is expending something like 85% of his or her energy just overcoming wind resistance. Any small change in rider position or in the profile of the bike will make a huge difference. Recumbent bikes have less surface area facing the wind, so they're faster at high speeds. Fully enclosed, bullet-shaped lowriders have now achieved astonishing results. The current one-hour record in a streamlined recumbent is 90 kilometers versus somewhere in the 50s for a normal racing bike. Moshe appealed the ruling, but he lost, and so recumbents disappeared from races. In the 1970s, they started to make a comeback for recreational cyclists. In addition to being theoretically faster, they can also be more comfortable for some riders. I ride one myself. Go to any health club and you'll find a dozen of their stationary cousins parked in front of the TV. Recumbent pedal power has driven boats and even airplanes. Just don't expect to see one in the Tour de France anytime soon. To some degree, it's an old story. Change the tools of the game and you've changed the game. You can't blame competitive cycling for standardizing the racing bike. Tradition and previous records count for a lot. But that means the only variable left to improve is the human machine. The recent doping scandals in cycling are a dark reminder of the lengths we will go to tweak that half of the equation. It makes one nostalgic for those innocent times when a lone tinkerer could take on the world in his wacky-looking bike. I'm Roger Caza at the University of Houston, where we're interested in the way inventive minds work. (laughs) 